I would like to thank Capital Link for inviting me to moderate this excellent uh, panel that has been assembled today to discuss the ship finance landscape. This topic was moderated in Limassol last year uh, by my colleague Jaisal from Hill Dickinson, who also moderated a similar panel discussion in Athens last month. So I certainly have big shoes to fill. I'm very pleased to refer to Jaisal uh, as my colleague from Hill Dickinson after we opened the Hill Dickinson office in Limassol last month. And the fact that Hill Dickinson was so keen to open an office in Cyprus to add to their international network of offices highlights the development of the maritime cluster in Cyprus and the high level that it has attained internationally. I will now introduce a panel that I think needs little introduction. So we have Nicolas uh, Bavlidis, uh, head of shipping at Bank of Cyprus. We have Dinos Milios, head of um, uh, ship finance from Eurobank. Uh, Dimitris Tsavaras, uh, head of shipping from Hellenic Bank. David Grant, managing director of ship finance, ING Bank NV. Uh, London branch, also a fellow Liverpool fan. Right, let's, let's kick off the um, discussion um, with a question to all the panellists. And let's start with an overview uh, from the panellists on their views and perspective uh, on, the, uh, ship finance, uh, on the ship finance market and what they can each bring to the ship finance table. We have witnessed a year of um, uh, turbulence and uh, geopolitical uh, volatility, including uh, challenges set by the decarbonisation regulations, which are really starting to bite. And sanctions continue to have an impact. How have each of the panellists withstood these challenges? And what can they each bring to the ship finance table? So, um, if we want, let's start. We'll start with Nicolas. Sure. Thank you, George. Um, I think um, 2023 has been a challenging year in many um, respects. There's been um, a high interest rate environment geopolitical tensions, sanctions, um, regulations, which um, are a little bit unclear to, to me and to many, many people how they will evolve in, in the future. Um, I think uh, uh, this, um, th this creates an environment of, of uncertainty and uh, uh, banks go closer to the better risk. And that has created a uh, a two-tier environment where the, the better risk is chased after a lot more than the, the middle to, to, to higher risk. So um, this is where we are, and uh, it, it's interesting times, and uh, I'd like to see how this, this will evolve. Dinos, can you add something to that? 
Yes, uh, first of all, I'd like to thank uh, Nicolas Bornozis and the Capital Link team for having us here. It's an honor to appear in front of this uh, distinguished uh, audience. Um, we have uh, remained very active. Last year, we keep doing business. Uh, we are, uh, as part of a traditional uh, leading shipping finance, uh, ship lending group, we are very committed over the long run to the sector. Uh, I do not believe, despite the existence of uh, geopolitical volatilities, uh, despite the emerging decarbonization trends, uh, and of course, uh, despite the sanctions, uh, both the ongoing ones and the ones that keep New appearing uh, every yeah. now and then, uh, complicating the exercise for us. Um, we keep doing business, as we have. Uh, we keep working with clients who have demonstrated their ability to weather such crises um, and even emerge stronger after them by taking advantage of the right opportunities. Uh, Decarbonization for us is a matter of a long-term strategy and a long-term trajectory that we need to follow in order to gradually improve our portfolio indicators. There are certain voluntary measures taking place to start measuring the key indicators now, uh, but it's a long race with no visible end, as many of the audience uh, indicated mm -hmm. in a question to an earlier panel. Uh, sanctions uh, have two dimensions. One is one has to do with the way that banks process transactions for the clients, and we need to be extra cautious in order to keep uh, these transactions running smoothly with no disruptions, which is, as I said, becoming an increasingly complex task for us. But the other aspect of sanctions has to do with the, the impact on uh, global trade. Uh, there is a trend towards longer alternative routes, but this may also have a benefit for our clients. So uh, overall, we keep doing business as we have so far, and uh, I believe that these factors are all part of an ongoing game. Dinos, uh, Nicolas um, mentioned that there's a tendency to move towards more risk-averse deals because of all these issues. Is that a view that you, you also share? Well, it's always a matter of properly assessing the risk that is presented to you. Nothing more, nothing less. We do our assessments. We perform our break-even analysis, our stress test, and most of all, we look at the quality of the counterparties, which is the most important element. So in this respect, there's no change in risk appetite, and there's no compromise, on the other hand, based on any market conditions that may prevail. Thank you, Dinos. Dimitri? Thank you very much, George, and uh, many thanks to Dogan Nazir for, for having us here. Uh, no. Beyond any doubt, uh, shipping uh, is anything but a boring industry. Uh, especially during the last uh, four years, we've seen uh, pretty much anything from pandemics, uh, uh, wars, uh, geopolitical tension, uh, triggering uh, sanctions and trade uh, disruptions, uh, as well as uh, an inflationary environment and uh, hiking uh, interest rates. Uh, you know, as demand for shipping is, uh, as we all know, is a derived demand, basically, for shipping services. Um, uh, we cannot. Uh, we see that our industry is widely exposed to a number of um, known risks, but most importantly, unknown risks. Uh, having said that, uh, and considering that this risk cannot be captured by any cash flow model or any projection, in uh, most of the times, um, uh, we we have to rely and we have uh, to build strong relationships and on 
and uh, take a great value of the counterparties that we enter uh, business, uh, winter business with. It's uh, the right choice of clients that ensures uh, the viability of any shipping portfolio and any shipping uh, transactions. Uh, having this in mind and um, by abiding to our strategy for conservative financings and uh, by acknowledging uh, the bonding cycle where the market uh, stands, uh, we have uh, managed to withstand the challenges uh, during the past years in the market and uh, continuously been active uh, despite um, uh, the turbulence uh, observed. And we have a clear mandate to continue doing so also for uh, 2024. Uh, 2024. Thank you. Thank you, Dimitri. Uh, David, maybe you're a bit different um, in, in that uh, you're not representing the, the Cypriot banking sector. No, I'm not. No. So um, have you got any different views for that reason or what's been said? Um, I don't think so. Um, I've written down on, on my list here um, some, some sort of words that I didn't expect to put down for ship finance. Volatility geopolitics, decarbonisation, regulation, sanctions. And you start thinking, well, how is shipping performing? How is shipping going to manage all these things? But it's incredible how resilient shipping is generally and also ship finance. I think, though, the outlook is going to get tougher. It's not going to get any easier, I'm afraid. Uh, sanctions are there to stay. Regulation is there to stay. And unfortunately... Um, ship finance is also heavily regulated, so we're also going to see capital, the capital cost for ship finance increase. Now, that's some negativity, but let me put some positivity in there. Um, how does ING look at ship finance? What do we do to make a difference? We recognise that basically capital is the most scarce product around in, ship in shipping. Um, it's, when I first started in shipping a long time ago, it was 35 years, somebody said to me, capital is a privilege, not a right, and you have to respect that. Capital won't always be available. So what does ING, what does ING provide? ING wants to provide consistent capital. It's all very well to lend to an industry that's doing well, which it is. It's all very well to lend during the good times, but the important thing is to be there during the difficult times. So from our perspective, we want to be a provider of consistent capital. Um, I think also I'd like to just say, and, and I do agree with my colleagues here, that there is a huge amount of liquidity looking to come into shipping. But is it the right liquidity? And that's, that's a question I'll leave out there. Thank you. Now I'm going to ask the panellists to get out their crystal ball. Inflation continues to apply um, pressure to interest rates. What are the panellists' predictions regarding the movement of interest rates during 2024? And what impact will these, uh, these fluctuations have on the cost of ship finance? I will... Um, Nicolas, do you want to take this question? Sure. Um, I'm not sure I'm qualified to make predictions on interest rates, but... Um, um, I think the expectation is for 2024, I think you asked, is that uh, um, the interest rates will remain at or above the 5% mark that they are today. Uh, so uh, not because of the uncertainty, because of the relatively sticky inflation, elections coming up in the US and other parts of the world, I think a lot of people do not... Um, 
factor in a, a significant reduction uh, this year. Um, uh, it, 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 personally, I think that interest rates will remain higher for longer than people had originally expected. Thank you. Dinos, do you, do you want to add something? Uh, yes, sir. I fully agree with uh, Nicolas. Um, I won't dare to make a prediction. Sorry, I left my crystal ball ah. back in the office. <laughs> but um, we, if, if we were here uh, towards the end of last year, I believe we would be, the, the, the consensus would be that we would uh, look at maybe four consecutive rate cuts by the Fed during the year, maybe a 1% overall decrease in rates by the end of this year. Uh, now, apparently, because of the uh, uh, course of the inflation in the U.S., the, we are way off this target. Hmm. I agree that rates, higher rates will stay around for longer. And as Nicola said, the U.S. elections, especially if they lead to a radical change in policy with inflationary side effects, this could even uh, delay rate cuts for, a for an even longer period of time. Regardless of this, though, I believe that the uh, high interest rates are not the major determinant in an owner's investment decision. Uh, and I attempted to quantify this. Um, it, for an average loan and an average vessel, a 1% increase in uh, interest rates would probably lead to four or $500 uh, per day increase in their break-even point, which at fleet level might, might be a large amount of money, but it's not dramatic. Whereas freight rates, on the other hand, vary by the thousands. So uh, provided that all fundamentals in uh, making an investment decision are in place, um, I believe uh, high rates would not deter a ship owner to make a decision. Secondly, uh, another factor that sort of alleviates the high rates issue is that uh, owners are generally highly liquid. So they earn in parallel interest on their deposits, which to the extent that uh, the ratio deposits loans, lending exposure, this also naturally hedges them to some extent against the uh, higher rates. Now, on the bank side and on the lending side, um, we always perform our assessment carefully based on the prevailing conditions. We run our stress tests, so we are always prepared to lend if uh, all parameters of the equation are, uh, equation are in place and they make sense. Thank you. Thanks for, for that uh, interesting insight uh, as well that you added there, uh, Dinos. Do Dimitri, David, do you want to add anything to what's been said? Um, I'm happy to go ahead. Um, I'm probably a little bit on the other spectrum in terms of the consensus view is that interest rates will drop. Now, it's been put back a little bit. It was going to be March. Now it's May, June, perhaps a little bit later. But I think, as um, Dinos mentioned, you've got, uh, I think, 60% of the world population is going to the polls this year, uh, particularly the US. If Donald Trump does get in, uh, I suspect he'll cut taxes. And we have a really full labor force around the world. So I wouldn't be surprised to see inflation tick up again from, from where we are now. And, and history has always shown that, yes, inflation can dip but it has a habit of coming back again. And if it comes back again, interest rates have to rise. Mm. Right now, I know that goes right against the consensus that dollar rates will come down, 
but I wouldn't be surprised if we see a second wave of inflation at some stage. That's, that's my view. So you've got a different crystal ball to the, uh, our other panellists. I've, I've, I've got a different one, probably a cheap one. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, so I'm going to ask um, quite a difficult question now. What would you say is the single biggest impact on bank lending in the past year? Single biggest impact. Uh, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll start off with Nicolas and Dinos, and um, please, Dimitri, David, please feel free to contribute any additional comments. Um, I, um, all these things that were mentioned had an impact on, uh, on lending and will continue to. Um, obviously, geopolitics has, uh, and, uh, have a big role in our um, consideration and our analysis nowadays. Um, I, I would dare to say, if, if I'm honest, that on, on my everyday life, the biggest impact was um, sanctions and compliance. Mm. The attention to, um, to the changing sanctions and the evolving geopolitical situation has played a very significant role. And, and uh, you, uh, the bank needs to stay alert on, on these issues. And it's, it's now taking, it has always taken a significant part of our time, but I think it's taken an unprecedented high amount of time now. Yeah, I don't think anybody would be surprised by that comment. Dinos, do you agree? Yes, I fully agree. As I said, in the way that we work, um, there hasn't been a dramatic uh, uh, negative impact or deterioration. Of course, we are all on our feet monitoring uh, developments. Um, I believe that the factor of uh, technology in the uh, uh, in a defense sector uh, speeds up uh, conflicts and uh, geopolitical stages, uh, uh, geopolitical uh, uh, instability. And I don't know. What I'm really worried about looking forward is if the current conflicts give rise to a broader global escalation mm. that could really disrupt trade and that could uh, really affect uh, the availability of capital, it would really affect uh, inflation. Well, I don't think we are there and uh, hopefully we will not get there, but um, I fully agree with what, what's been said. Um, let's keep uh, doing our business prudently. Uh, in a disciplined manner, and I believe that we will be able, both our clients and ourselves from our own perspective as uh, financiers, to keep doing as business while absorbing these turbulences, as we already have done multiple uh, times in the past. Thank you, Dinos. If not, if, yeah. uh, sorry, uh, from my end, Dimitri. I can, I can only echo what my colleagues uh, mentioned. In my view, it's uh, the interest rates, the persistence in interest rates and the, persi the persistence in uh, the sanctions um, and uh, the regulatory pressure, basically. And uh, whilst uh, when it comes to interest rates, it's something that can be factored in. We can, um, employ, uh, can follow the, the, the yield, the curves of the interest rates uh, going forward. But uh, when it comes to sanctions, it's something that uh, uh, we simply cannot um, see how this will develop. And there have been cases where we had to Reevaluate if we no, not pursue good business that made sense in terms of numbers due to sanctions and regulatory requirements. So that's something that affects us big time. Right. I, 
I'd like to move on now to um, discuss financing options. Um, our panels this year are drawn um, exclusively uh, from the, uh, the banking sector. We've discussed already a number of, of challenges. Um, what I would like to ask is, um, these challenges, are they changing the way that ship finance is being structured? Is it still a case principally of plain vanilla finance? Is there any chance of sprinkling some chocolate chips on top of the plain vanilla? Um, so um, let's, um, let's start with Dimitris this time. Yes, thank you. I mean, uh, for us in Hellenic Bank, uh, regardless of um, what are the challenges that are, um, we're facing at any given time, uh, we follow a strategy of uh, been, um, monitoring the point in cycle where we stand each and every moment, both in terms of freight rates as well as asset uh, values, and uh, adjust our structures accordingly. Uh, this by no means does it mean that uh, we're ex excluding for our financings uh, any of the traditional market segments, but uh, we simply need to, to structure accordingly and uh, adjust our financing terms so that we avoid that we are overexposed uh, with high leverage in an asset uh, during a booming uh, market. Um, coming to options that are available out there, we acknowledge uh, that recently we have seen uh, increasing competition from alternative uh, financiers. But uh, in my view, bank lending will continue to be uh, the most, um, the easiest, the most cost-efficient way to finance uh, a vessel. Uh, and uh, to also add to that, that it is a way of financing that has been also tested uh, uh, throughout the history, the history during uh, very challenging and turbulent uh, market times. Um, now, in terms of uh, if it's going to be plain vanilla uh, structures, yes, in our view, I mean, uh, simplicity is, uh, is blessing. So basically, we try to keep things uh, simple, but at the same time, we also try to be innovative uh, by adding in our structures terms that uh, allow uh, the total cost of funding to be slightly reduced so that we can also pass on this benefit to our clients. Thank you. Thank you, Dimitri. David? We're on. Um, I'm glad Dimitri said that, that, that we're going to stick to traditional shipping finance. Um, I still believe that the, the best uh, type of finance for, for shipping is, is the term loan. Yeah, we've financed depreciating assets. Uh, nothing's changed. Shipping hasn't changed fundamentally in all the years. And I still believe that the best uh, form of finance is a, is a term line. Yes, bond, bonds are out there, um, and they may suit certain companies, uh, depending on their, uh, you know, their employment profile and the structure of their, their, their balance sheet. But I still think it's the traditional. But in terms of, of, of the sprinkle, that you're talking about. You know, sustainability-linked loans are probably all the talk now. This is where banks will offer and will provide discounts on the, the margin for sustainability-linked uh, financing. This is where I think the, the sprinkle does come. Um, that they will continue to develop. They will continue to grow. We're, we're looking at green financing as well in the bank. Um, and, and the difference, I guess, for you know, ING compared to my, my colleagues here is that ING is a global bank. So we, we operate in many different parts of the world. And 
shipping isn't the only business that's being decarbonized. You know, we're looking at oil and gas, we're looking at aviation, we're looking at real estate, we're looking at a huge number of businesses. And in, in the bank, we have a, um, we have a, uh, a framework called Terra, which basically targets the nine uh, most polluting businesses that we finance and look to decarbonize. So we do bring and we look to finance structures and we bring structures into shipping that we've learned in other businesses. But for me, you know, the term loan and the traditional finance will always be there. But, but if I can say one other point, I think from our perspective, it's about finding the right owner. We, we, we put a tremendous amount of work and effort into financing the owner. It doesn't matter about the ship. I know that sounds strange, but for me, I'm not a ship owner. I'm a financier, so I finance people, I finance individuals, and it's still a personal business. So that, for me, is where I come from. And one other point I would just say quickly is that, for me, the best ship in existence is the relationship. Hmm. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Some very, very interesting points there. Right, I want, to talk, uh, I want to talk syndication. So uh, until now, there's been a reluctance from Cypriot banks to syndicate loans. Do uh, our panelists representing the Cypriot banks foresee any change in this approach? And is this possibly a way to increase the size of loan that is being offered? Um, again, I'll, I'll start with... Um, with Din, uh, I'll start with Nicolas and, and, uh, and Dinos. Um, I, I don't think there's been a reluctance, really. Um, it's just there, there hasn't been appropriate um, fac facilities to be syndicated. And I think uh, what we do at Bank of Cyprus is uh, family-controlled and run businesses, and most mm -hmm. of the things we do are bilateral facilities, well, all, all, all the things that we have currently in our books. Um, but um, uh, ha having said that, I think uh, larger, more corporate, multi-ship transactions are things that we can do, things that we have looked at, and uh, we've actually considered um, transactions that, uh, a transaction last year that we could have uh, syndicated, Interesting. Po possibly to... Um, and, and hopefully to uh, other Cypriot banks. Um, I'm, I'm personally, I would like to promote the ship finance uh, sector here in Cyprus, not only because it uh, uh, completes the circle of the, of the cluster, the shipping cluster, but also because it helps ourselves with establishing a, um, a center in Cyprus for, for, for ship finance, which, which needs to be seen and promoted more. But uh, I, I think uh, w without having anything in mind, this is something that can be done and watch this space. Well, we, we will watch that space with interest. Dinos, similar message? Um, similar message, absolutely. Uh, I believe that the, uh, the overall approach and philosophy in ship lending by... Um, The, the overall approach and philosophy that uh, we all adopt in ship lending in Cyprus is it's very similar. Um, the level of communication uh, is also excellent. Uh, and I believe that uh, if, 
if a deal emerges that uh, would uh, require a cooperation in a syndicated structure, we'd very happily uh, look at it, provided it falls within our lending scope, of course. Now, uh, having said that, and let me add the, uh, the Eurobank dimension, because we belong to a group that is much larger and has the capacity to absorb larger deals. So if a deal came to us, we would naturally uh, first opt to uh, accommodate it within our group uh, in a syndication with our parent bank, which is, uh, has a capacity uh, probably twice of the entire local market today. Uh, it works with large clients. It has expertise to, um, to accommodate both large transactions and to act as agent in uh, syndicated structures. Uh, and, and in this way, I believe we would offer our clients the, the best of both worlds. That is, on one hand, we would offer the efficiencies the, uh, in terms of uh, timing for uh, the approval, negotiation, implementation of a transaction, and also cost efficiencies uh, of dealing with a single bank. Whereas on the other hand, we would uh, open the door uh, for our clients to uh, cooperation in either in Greece, Cyprus, or Luxembourg, which is involved in some transactions that we do. And this has uh, in the past worked very successfully and has been appreciated by our clients. So without precluding a local cooperation, I would welcome it if, uh, uh, if uh, an opportunity arises. But uh, our first natural uh, move would be to see how we could uh, accommodate it at, uh, at group level. Yeah. I can see there's a bit of a difference in approach here from Eurobank com yeah. compared to Bank of Cyprus and imagery possibly Hellenic, Hellenic Bank is in the same position as Bank of Cyprus? Uh, yes, uh, from, from my end I would uh, welcome uh, uh, syndicating. Uh, syndicating. Uh, of course uh, we will still maintain our, our lending criteria uh, as we will do in a bilateral loan which uh, undoubtedly offers more, more flexibility in terms of, uh, of structure, in terms of negotiating with the client. But uh, having said that, uh, we know each other, we've been uh, cooperating uh, uh, also with the rest of the banks um, uh, locally, so we'll be more than happy to, uh, to also join forces uh, when the right deal, when the right opportunity arises. Thank you, Dimitri. Um, I now want to have a chat about shipping funds. So shipping funds remain an attractive option uh, for, uh, for raising capital, uh, for sh ship acquisition, and have been performing well in recent times. Uh, my question is, how do, how do the banks view the continued uh, popularity and, and uh, relative success of shipping funds? And what role do they have to play in this market? Um, we can, uh, again, start with uh, Nicolas and uh, Dinos and then move on to the other panelists. Sure, I, I would say that um, shipping funds have, um, for the greatest part of, of my career of 30 years, have, have always been there, to a lesser extent in the, in the beginning, but more as in, in the notice when the world fleet expanded more and some of the Western banks retreated from ship finance, so they, they, they filled their gap. Um, I think uh, shipping funds um, bring capital in a wise way. They, perhaps they have a different perspective in that they, they're seeking return in a shorter time horizon. Um, but uh, uh, I don't see them as competition. I see them as complementing what we do. And we haven't worked. They, they can bring in 
mostly equity, but also financing as um, um, uh, financing th uh, 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 third-party projects. I, we haven't worked with the fund, but I wouldn't preclude that happening in the future. Thank you, Nicola. Dino? Well, our uh, culture and DNA is uh, geared towards private owners, to be honest. Uh, although there are funds that have been doing a tremendous job and some are present uh, in, this, uh, in this forum. Um, we like the uh, presence, long-term experience and commitment of a private owner. We uh, build relationships, uh, relationships over a very long period of time. And uh, it has been proven that in case of prolonged market uh, downturns, a, a private owner will have a longer-term perspective and will not uh, shy away from uh, uh, injecting more capital if needed, uh, while reaping the benefit when the market eventually uh, turns upward. So uh, we uh, have not uh, so far lent to uh, purely to fund structure because we need the uh, commitment and of course the credit enhancement, which is provided in uh, several ways by, the, uh, by private owners. Uh, having said that, and as Nicolas mentioned, it's, it's healthy to have an alternative uh, lender in place, provided that uh, they also make prudent uh, investments. And uh, it doesn't acquire such an extent that it may uh, lead to an overheating uh, of the market with uh, adverse effects in the, medium, in the medium to long term. And as I mentioned at the beginning, there are funds that have been doing a tremendous job. They're based here in Cyprus, and uh, we'd like to see them uh, grow further and thrive. Thank you. Um, Dimitri, David, do you, do you want to add anything? Other than I agree with Dinos, to be honest with you. Okay. I think we should never turn away liquidity in, into an industry that requires capital and an industry that needs um, you know, new liquidity all the time, and in a volatile business that for, for a while commercial banks, commercial banks will be there, and we hope for a long time, but the environment changes. Um, and therefore, it's important that we attract and we look to attract other forms of capital, in my view. So yeah. I kind of agree with Dinos. I mean, it's always good to have different options. You say you need to have that, that flexibility, and we're talking about the um, success of the maritime cluster in Cyprus and part of that success is to have shipping funds I think that are based here as well. Right and I'm going to move on to the elephant in the ship finance room, a green elephant, decarbonisation regulations. So the, the obligations imposed on, on ship owners by the decarbonisation regulations are on an upward curve uh, and the imposition of the ETS is setting its own at specific challenges for ship owners. What is the current impact of decarbonisation on ship finance? Um, and let's have a little change in the formation. Let's start with uh, Dimitri and move on to David this time. Sure. Thank you, George. Uh, first of all, let me start by, uh, by mentioning that uh, in this exercise, these games as financiers, uh, we're not uh, like the first uh, movers here. I mean, uh, we maintain a close dialogue with our clients. We trust our clients. Uh, we try to understand their, their strategy when it comes to, uh, to, to ESG and uh, green uh, initiatives and, um, and how these are adopted in their operating uh, models. And um, uh, we support them to the extent, uh, to the extent possible. 
Having said that, uh, as a bank, uh, uh, we aim, uh, uh, from our point of view, to, uh, to assist uh, in this by abiding to our ESG uh, initiatives that we have in Fedeng Bank, not only shipping, but in general in our, in our financings. And um, uh, this translates in ship financing by aiming to finance uh, younger vessels uh, in an effort to, to reduce uh, the average age of our, of our collateral portfolio. Uh, of course, this is easier said than done. In order to do this, uh, we try to attract uh, financing of uh, um, eco-friendly and uh, younger assets by uh, offering uh, incentives uh, to clients, both uh, in terms of uh, structuring as uh, in terms of uh, pricing uh, incentives in order to be able to attract these uh, this financings. Thank, thank you, Dimitri. David? Uh, thank you. Um, I mean, as, as many people will know, ING Bank is, is a member of the Poseidon Principles, which is the, the framework that uh, a number of international and other banks have, have put forward for decarbonizing their shipping portfolio. So what does that actually mean in practice? Every ship that we finance, we put through an internal model to see how it performs versus the trajectory. You can either be above or below the trajectory. It doesn't mean if you are above the trajectory that we don't finance those ships. That's, that's not the point here. What we're trying to do is use this as a framework in which to engage the ship owner to have a discussion as to which direction of travel they're on. What's their strategy in terms of decarbonisation? So if you ask me now, would I finance a conventional fuel tanker that you order today? Absolutely. That, that's, that's, that's not an issue at all. So from our perspective, you know, we are more selective. We, we are looking to finance ships that uh, meet as much as possible the, the carbon decarbonisation that we're all looking to achieve. But as I say, we know that there is not one solution here. We know that methanol, ammonia, hydrogen, LNG, all of these all of these fuels are being discussed. And if the ship owners aren't there yet, certainly the banks aren't. So we're not going to dictate that. Um, I think you are seeing a two-tier market. I would say that. Um, I think you see a two-tier market in the sense that some banks don't mind. Some banks aren't too concerned about the environmental issues. Other banks are. We are definitely a bank that is concerned but it's all about transparency and we're there to work with ship owners to, to decarbonise in the correct way. What I mean by the correct way, working with them to, to find a solution to these, uh, these issues. So David, is it, is it fair to say it's more of a carrot than a stick approach to encourage ship owners to pursue a, a path towards maximum sustainability? You know, I'd never give a stick to a ship owner. <laughs> Um, I think I've learned that for, for, for one thing in my career. Um, yeah, you could call it a carrot, I think. Um, I think that's fair to say, a carrot. Um, you know, as I say, bank, bankers, we, we've all learned, I suspect on this panel, we've come up through a credit process. We all learn how to analyse credit. Now we're being asked to learn how to analyse sustainability. Frankly, I'm not the best at it. So for me, it's on a journey, it, 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 it's a carrot. We're trying to, to do baby steps, I think, George, that's what I would say. We're, we're looking at baby steps to see if we can improve the carbon footprint of shipping through the portfolio. And I think ING feels it can play a role in that because as we all know, capital is, is key here. 
And, and if we think that the costs of decarbonisation are high now, there's nothing to what it's going to be in the future. It's going to be significantly higher for every ship owner right now. I mean, I see the balance sheet. I see the, um, I see the balance sheet of many of our clients already and the costs that they're incurring just by retrofits, just by adding a few improvements is huge. And we haven't even uh, touched the tip of the iceberg. So you know, from my perspective, it's, it's, uh, it's a journey. Yes, and a bit, a bit of an uncertain journey, um, I think we all, we, we all acknowledge. You mentioned uh, methanol. Um, methanol has been mentioned quite a few times during the course of, of the day and, and conversions and, and, and retrofits. Um, what's the... Um, uh, and, and I can, you know, anybody can, can, can chip in here. But Dave, I'll start with you. What is the bank's approach towards financing conversions to reduce carbon emissions? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're here to finance new buildings. We're here to, to look at um, financing secondhand ships with retrofits. We're, we, are, we are looking to, again, coming back to what I said, I think it's, it, for us, it's the owner. We, we are fixated on financing the right company and the right owners. And we believe the right owners are on the right path. So if, if that owner says, I've ordered a, a VL, VL VLAC, as we now call them, I think, um, then absolutely we would look at that. If um, somebody said we're ordering a, a CO2 carrier, if it's the right owner and they tell me the reason they've done it and the strategy, we would absolutely be there to support that. And same with retrofits. Yeah. Thank you, David. You got to please. Um, I could say something. I think um, the, it, it's a journey, as uh, David said. Um, banks need to be part of this. All the participants in the shipping industry need, need to be part of this. The, uh, the shipyards, the um, engine manufacturers, the, the port authorities and, and local governments creating infrastructure, charterers, ship owners, and certainly banks need to be part of this. And, and I, I think all, all banks will need to con contribute in, the, in this transition. Yeah, that's a good point. Everybody needs to, to, to pull together on this for it to work effectively. Exactly. Now, I think uh, stomachs may be rumbling. So uh, as we're approaching lunch, I'll, 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 this is my final question. Basically, we started off this discussion by looking uh, at the challenges until now and how the banks have withstood those challenges. 2024 has already brought a new set of turbulent events with more on the horizon. We have the continued tension in the Middle East. Um, we have uh, the um, Houthi um, uh, 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 rebel attacks on uh, vessels. Um, uh, in the Red Sea, which are continuing. Only, only last, last week, a vessel had to be abandoned um, because of such an attack. And as already mentioned, uh, there is a real possibility that Donald Trump will be re-elected as President of the United States, which will bring with it inevitably geopolitical, uh, environmental, and economic consequences. So, looking forward, how do Panis believes that such high levels of turbulence, which go hand in hand with uncertainty and instability, will affect the ship finance market? Um, we can 
Uh, let's start, again, changing the formation. We'll start with Midris and then go to, to Dinos. And then by, by all means, as it's the last question, I think I'd welcome uh, comments from all the panelists to round, round it off. Sure, thank you, George. I mean, uh, listen to, to the question, listen to you, um, you know, outline the question. Uh, I kept thinking that has there actually been a time in shipping where there was not like a long period of, without turbulence or without uh, uncertainty? I, I, would, I would doubt so. So uh, uh, having said that, uh, history in our industry has proven that uh, uh, as an industry we have a remarkable uh, ability uh, of successfully navigating uh, and identifying opportunities even uh, during challenging, uh, challenging times. I mean, uh, even now that we see tension uh, piling up and uncertainty piling up, um, uh, we see that uh, this, okay, undoubtedly for the wrong reasons, of course, uh, I think that no one can question that, but uh, this has led to, to positive market sentiment in, in the container sector and dry bulk sector, um, rates that are, uh, seem to be climbing. I'm not touching upon the tankers because this has been in a very healthy level to begin with for the past uh, uh, year or so. Um, so what uh, I would like to say, and my point here is that uh, this uh, uncertainty and this volatility is uh, inherent in the shipping industry. And it's something that uh, we have to, to digest and we have to learn how to live with if, as financiers, we want to be active in this, uh, in this, uh, in this market. Um, I mean, this finance transaction is not like uh, an engagement for one or two years. It can extend uh, ship finance project can extend to five or six years or even more. Uh, this means that it's considered more than a marathon rather than a, than a sprint. And uh, during this uh, lifespan of a loan, uh, vessels often encounter um, peaks and uh, troughs, uh, market peaks and troughs, which are inevitable. Um, what uh, is important to, to highlight here is that we have uh, uh, to build uh, trust uh, on client relationships and team up with uh, clients who have uh, proven their track record, have proven that they're able to, to navigate uh, um, throughout this uh, cycle. And I think that uh, this, uh, going hand in hand with, uh, with the right structure, uh, is uh, the way to ensure that uh, um, uh, we will uh, have a successful financing uh, transaction and a safe financing portfolio, which can uh, stand and remain healthy, um, you know, for, for uh, during uh, these market uh, market challenges. Um, and uh, this is my view. I mean, regarding regarding uh, the safe financing, and if uh, uh, you know, we continue doing what we've been doing, uh, yes, uh, I say that uh, this effect uh, we continue doing the business. Uh, we cautiously. Um, approach the market, we conservative structure our financings, and uh, it's something that uh, we're here to support the business uh, also for, uh, for the medium to long run. Thank you, Dimitri. Obviously, you make the point that we just can't look at only the, the following year. Uh, the events are, are likely to change and likely to be turbulent for, for many years to come, and that's all obviously built into you know, the, the approach to ship finance. I think we're, we're very short of time, aren't we? So, uh, Dinos, can I just ask you to make a few key points just to round it, round us, uh, round it off? Yes, thank you, George. Uh, we are long-term players, so our, uh, uh, the way that we work and the way that we do business is not affected by short-term events. Uh, as I uh, mentioned earlier, my only concern would be a global escalation beyond control that could derail everything. I think it's a rather extreme scenario. Uh, uh, other than that, uh, the industry has proven multiple times in the past its ability to weather crises during turbulent uh, times. Shocks are not uncommon, and uh, in this respect, 
whoever is in shipping knows that volatility is a friend. But as with every friend, it's good to have it around, but we have to pay it the, its, its appropriate attention and respect. Thank you. Mr. Chairman. Yes, um, just one final remark, if I may. Um, first of all, I, I commend um, David uh, Grant of his comment about when he emphasized and highlighted the relationship, the, per the personal relationship with uh, banks. We've got a bit of scar tissue. We've been around for a while. We've gone back in a few years where, where people, when you referred, the panel was referring earlier to the interest rates. I've actually experienced interest rates between 15 and 20 percent in the late 70s. So, you know, things can actually have to have been quite volatile. One minor point, if I may mention, which is a, ma which is a major significance as far as I'm concerned, is one basic statement, is that money will always follow a good deal. Irrespective of the fact that we're, we have this infrastructure of complicated uh, regulations, red tape, and all the other things which makes it so restrictive in terms of having a straightforward loan, the fortunate thing is that at the end of the day, for somebody who's got the perseverance, the passion, and the professionalism, um, he will always find a way that he has a good deal. Money will always somehow will come out of the blue and will always follow a good deal. Money will always follow a good deal. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. That's a very, very, very good point that can be often overlooked. Well, I'd like to thank all the panelists, Mr. Chairman, for your valuable contributions and insights. And if there's one word I would take away from everything that's been said, it's resilience. So thank you again. <laughs>